Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, co-founder of 180 Church, wife to Dr. Sammy, and pastor of Transformation at 180. We're here to actually talk about uh, one of the first of sermons regarding the new series that we're on, Calling Unpacked, where we're discussing sacred places, sacred times, and sacred people. And in order for us to live in such a way, you know, we're diving deep. And in this sermon, we're talking about what it means to uh, have sacred time. And for a lot of us, it seems like time is a commodity that uh, it's hard to grapple with. We always feel like we're running out of time. And, you know, the latest business books are always talking about what it means to optimize, maximize, and make your time used efficiently. And so when it comes to the way we live our lives, what does it mean to really live fully and to make the most of our time? And so we go into Galatians and into Dr. Sammy's sermon to really talk about what it looks like to live our lives during this time, to make the most of it, to be fruitful, and to really learn what it is to be kingdom people. Um, and so here's Dr. Sammy. <laughs> oh, today's scripture is Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 25. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that is the word of the Lord. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. So here's our picture here. This, my wife and I have been married now about 17 years. Yeah. This is our picture of our honeymoon before the iPhone was invented. iPhone was invented in 2006, around 2007. This is 2003. Can you tell the difference and the contrast between us then and now? Well, we're certainly younger. That's one contrast. Definitely thinner. Maybe just 
My wife is the same. I mean, just me. I gained a few pounds or so, like 50. <laughs> but don't, don't worry. Uh, I just did a physical this year. I'm in perfect health. They said maybe I could lose a few pounds or two. But sometimes when I come to church, the contrast, like some people, on it, they're so skinny, like Sean <laughs> and Keg. Stop bragging. They're so skinny, it's just like, whoa. But, um, but the, the rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. I mean, I'm, I'm in perfect health. Mark Twain's right, I'm good. But, but you know, this past week, um, I was getting a haircut. And the person cutting my hair said, you know, Doc, I, you're getting some white hair. I'm like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And I, and I was getting white hair, you know, and... And I did, I did look in the mirror, and I have five white hairs. Five. My wife was like, are you serious? I get color, I color my hair. I'm like, this is the first time I had to reflect about how old I am. How my days are numbered. How I have to grapple with... You know, mortality. I have to, maybe I do need to get, you know, in better shape. Because technically, I really only have maybe 5,200 weeks left of life left. It made me think about time, the time I have left. Because truthfully, my parents passed away, but all of us are technically, I'm only a few weeks older than you, relatively speaking. Everybody's a few weeks older. But there's one commodity in our life that you'll never be able to get back. You'll never be able to get back to time. Life expectancies in the 80s, unless you live in Japan. I don't know what's in the water there. Might be the sushi. I don't know. But time is a commodity you can never get back. It's one commodity you can't expand on no matter what you do. There is a certain point where your life ends. So in a sense, more than any other commodity you have in your life, greater than any other asset, the time you have on this planet is the greatest commodity. It's the commodity you cannot get more of. So therefore, the way you steward that time I think it's pretty critical. So what will I, our time, the numbered amount of minutes and seconds and years and weeks be defined by? How many people here love venting about things? Raise your hand if you love venting. Don't lie. You love venting about things. Two people, if you had a bad day, you tell 80 people on Facebook. Or, you know, you, you text people, you can't believe what happened. All you do is vent about your life. Venting. I mean, is that really the best way to spend your time? Because when you look at the end of your life, is that what you want to remember? I, just, I was just angry my whole life. I was really mad. That, that person, that barista that spilled, my, I was really angry about you don't want your life to be about, defined by anger and pettiness and smallness, right? I think if we want to define our life, we want our life to be defined by love. Loving other people, 
great memories. But here's the thing about human beings. We're not really rational, right? How many people think that the human species are rational beings? This is what a lot of atheists believe about the human. I'm just like, I'm like, dude, that's how I talk, you know, academically to other smart people. Dude, like, do you see the world? Do, are we becoming more irrational? Do you know who the president is? More logic and more academy and more studies not creating more rational creatures, it's creating more irrational creatures. In every demise of every civilization, and I don't want to make you depressed, in the end of every great civilization like Rome or the United States, usually this is what happens. People lose their minds and do whatever they want and lose a sense of morality. There's no limits. And that's sort of, in, historically speaking, the end of a great empire. In every great empire, you study through the lens of history, always the same thing. So you have this time left. What do you want to do with it? Because we saw this year, there's 288 shootings in this country. It's only been 244 days. That's 444 more shootings than days. So you can live your life the way you live it, and it could abruptly end without you even blinking your eye at a Walmart. Bam, your life is gone. So how do you save and honor the time you have? and make most of it, maximize it, optimize it. How do you do that? That's the question I want to answer today. Making your time sacred. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this passage. Bye, Skinny Sam. <laughs> so, here, Galatians, Paul says in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And I promise this message is not about sex, so be relieved. I do talk about sex a lot. I did a whole series one time, like 10 messages of sex. And one time a brother and sister came together and they were like, I'm never coming back to this church again. But today I'm not, I'm not going into that. Okay. But the acts of the, the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. Sorry, pharmacist, the word in Greek, witchcraft, has actually come from the word pharmacy. <laughs> you know, it's, witchcraft is... Uh, creating medicine to actually kill people or threatening to kill people. That's really what the word witchcraft comes from. So I don't know what you pharmacists are doing, but um, I'm kidding. Um, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. That's, there's a lot of that in New York. Dissension, that's a lot of that in, in our country. Factions, a lot of in our country. Envy, and drunkenness. Oh, there's a lot of that in New York. Orgies, probably. And like I warn you, as I did before, the whole Epstein scandal, right? There you go. And, and those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you can read this text and be like, you see, those people who do bad things don't go to heaven. If you went to church, that's how you interpret this text. Because Christianity, for a lot of Sunday schoolers, becomes about not doing things. That's what, that's what Christians do. They don't do things. Hey, do you want to smoke? No, nah, man, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. 
How, how, about, how about, do you go to the club? No, I try not to. I don't do that. I asked someone, you know, when I was in high school, how, how are you doing in your spiritual life? Man, I, I am sinning so much less. I've not drank anything. Uh, so basically, you have no life. Yeah, I'm a good Christian. <laughs> what do you do? Pray and read my Bible. <laughs> so, so... People look at this lens, they read, they, they read this chapter in Galatians, okay, so don't do anything fun, and then you go to heaven. Because you, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. You see, but that's where the, the misunderstanding comes. Paul is not saying you're not going to heaven. The kingdom of God has so much more to do. The king, tell someone the, king, the, word, the phrase kingdom of God. Tell them. It's pregnant. Yes, it's pregnant. I want to confuse you. That's exactly why I said it. <laughs> no. The kingdom of God is a pregnant phrase because it's, it's, it, it's packed with meaning. Kingdom of God is not just the ecclesia, just the church, or the eschatology of th- the things, of things to come. It encompasses everything about the fullness of the life that God has for us. Amen? The kingdom of God is now, later, tomorrow, eternity. It's everything in one. It's now and then. It's yet, but not yet. It's the tension of living in a world that has evil, but yet evil will not have the last word. The kingdom of God is about fullness. Tell someone next to you like this, fullness. Even spit at, let it enunciate that, fullness. Yes, fullness. It's about the fullness of life. You see, here is the thing about what seekers and agnostics Doubt about the Christian faith. Muhammad Ali doubted about Christian faith. My mentor actually met Muhammad Ali and had a conversation about Christianity. He's like, yo, and this is how they talk too. He's like, bro, I don't know. I don't know about that, you know, pie in the sky stuff. I'm not pies eating pies now. I'm a black man. That's what Muhammad Ali said. I don't, I don't know about the pies in the sky because it seems like what Christianity is saying is if you don't do anything bad now, you'll get to do all the fun stuff later. That's how, the, that's how framing is. But the kingdom of God is not about bad and good. It's about fullness. And so what Paul is saying is sin robs fullness. It's not saying sin prohibits you from entering a location. It's talking about an ontological state of reality of the state you're in, the state of mind, your state of heart. It's talking about what you are experiencing, the quality of your being here and now. Yes, it's also about the future, but it's about now. And so what Paul is really arguing is sin, what sin steals from you, it robs fullness. Tell someone sin robs fullness. And some of you are like, you're just new to New York, you're like, I don't Sin seemed pretty full. <laughs> Circle looks pretty good. By the way, the owner of Circle is a pastor's kid. I told you that some of those pastor's kids are really good or really bad, but he's a neutral. Okay? But um, I'm just saying, you're like, well, sin seems really enticing. And that's the whole idea of Galatians 5. He says, You were meant to be free, but why do you yoke yourself back into slavery? You see, you think that sin will bring you freedom because you're doing what you want to do. 
and however you want to do it. But I'd never met someone that drank too much, that was happy about their decisions afterwards. Not once. In every case of rape, from the ghetto to the Ivy League, drunkenness is 100% complicit in why things go wrong. And what Paul is saying is that sin is not taking away something. Sin steals from the fullness of life. And that's the perspective I want to try to paint for you. Because what sin does, it feels like you're free temporarily, but then it brings you into despair. Like a drug. Brings you high, and then brings you low. The evil one says, you can't live without this. And then he says, I can't believe you did that. Guilts you. Baits you and guilts you. Brings you in the cycle of despair. Like, for example, when I was in high school, a lot of my friends, and even junior high school, before all this A-list technology, you know what I'm saying, all of us didn't have that much money. So we decided to watch three movies. How many people do this? Three movies at one time for the price of one. Or how are they going to know if you sneak in to other movies? You're in the theater, right? The theater's packing the weekends until one weekend. You know, the, you know the flashlights? They come in the dark. There are 10 of us sitting down. Let me see your ticket. You know, I even get scared in Amtrak still when they say, show me a ticket. I'm like, do I have a ticket? I feel like I stole in a seat because of that moment. Because technically, my friend said, it's not stealing. It's an empty seat you're sitting in. And this is the third movie, right? The flashlight. And everybody's experienced this when you're caught. And you told yourself, you euphemized the idea of what stealing is. Technically, it's not stealing because you're in the theater. And you're, you know, you paid for a ticket. And it doesn't really cost that much. But when the flashlight is on your face, beaming, the darkness comes to light. <laughs> right? All of us. They're gonna, they brought us out, show us ticket, and it said some other movie. It didn't say the movie we're in. They said, we're going to call your parents. You guys might go to jail. And this is what I was thinking in my mind. Why did I do this? To save $7. Is this worth $7? Is $7 worth being interrogated by someone that's 18? <laughs> Saying they're going to call your parents? I mean, what would my parents say? That day, I saw something about taking something that's not yours. I saw something about what sin actually does to you. If you get away with it, you think you're free. But when you're caught, you actually see what it steals from you. Is, that, is, is, is it ever really worth it to spend that much time devising a plan? To try to get something that's not yours. Is that all the energy used 
worth it? I don't think so. And a lot of times, that's what a lot of people do in their life. They spend a lot of energy scheming, manipulating, hiding in fear and anxiety that they may be caught. When you could use that energy to build your life constructively, you end up spending it lying and deceiving and hiding. If you spent that energy on something positive like God's call for your life or something more constructive, you might be happier. That's just basic logic, isn't it? That's what Paul's trying to paint here in this passage. So what's the first lesson we learn here about our time, about the sacredness of time? Let's put it up. Read it with me. Look at what? Look at how much sin, what? Actually steals from you. I'm not talking about how much it steals your phone. I'm talking about literally if you were to come out of your body and see the things that you're using your energy in, gossiping, rage, fits of anger, it actually takes from you. It doesn't set you free. It doesn't add value to you at all. And until you come into the mirror and see yourself, and look at what it's taking from you, and you get it. There's no amount of sermons, there's no amount of counsel, no matter how many times your friends say, hey, you shouldn't do this, you won't stop. Because this is what I learned in pastoral ministry in 20 years. You know what I learned? Never interfere with somebody. If they have their mindset on something and that's what they want, that's what? That's what they want. Counsel won't stop it. And so no one can do this for us. You have to look in the mirror yourself and be like, okay, what is this doing? I remember until the third grade, I had a problem with stealing. Thus, that experience, of the I mean, somewhere in high school was really bad. But I would steal my parents' money. All the money, you know, around, like, there was sometime, one time $60. My dad's co-pocket took it, bought some Lucky Charms around the city. I bought uh, you know, a whole bunch of toys. I was carrying a cereal box. I think I was like 10, eating the cereal with my friends. Yo, bro, this is so good, you know? Playing arcades. Until my parents got home, my dad, and this was like, I don't know, the 10th time I stole something at home, and, and my parents had, they said, you need to leave the room. I'm like, this is serious. They closed the room so I can't hear, but I put my ears there. And they're, they're talking in Korean. They're like, we might have to send this kid back to Korea he has a problem. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on, right? And, and, and there was a culmination point where, you know, basically, now they'll probably call it child abuse, right? I mean, but I almost died that day. <laughs> Literally almost died. And they can't prosecute my parents because they're both gone. But, you know, just immigrant background is a bit different and, you know, with Russell Peterson, you're gonna get hurting real bad. I understood what he meant but exactly by that. And um, I remember in the third grade looking in the mirror, you know, not in very good shape. You know, there, there is no, um, it wasn't like rational, right? It was like, I'm gonna beat the thief out of, my, out of my kid. That was my parents' logic. I'm gonna beat the living crap out of the, the little, the, the doo-doo in this guy's life, in this kid. If maybe if I beat him enough, he'll get it. He'll understand that this value is not worth it. And they were right. <laughs> because when I looked in the mirror, 
in the third grade, and I, said, I had a conversation to myself. I literally said, Sam, you might think I'm, but this is, it worked. I said, I said, bro, I don't think this is worth it. $60 for death is not worth it. I think we should, I think we should stop stealing things. And then, after that day, never did it. And my, and my mom, she, like, she tried to bait me like a mouse. She would leave $20 in the drawer here, $20 in the bag, $20 right out, you know, in like, you know, a table. And I said, no, in Jesus, no, no, right? And after, after I passed that stage, the trust between my parents became so great the places where they left the cash, they would tell me, just take it. One time, some of the cash was gone, and I said, it wasn't me. <laughs> and they believed me. But here it is. You have to look in the mirror. Uh, and here it is. It's not my business. Your propensities, the maladaptive behaviors in your life that you know, and I can't convince you of them, but you know them. They're shameful things. They're things you hide. There's they're energies you spent in your life that no one knows, but you do. These vices that's showing up everywhere, even in professions. Right, we see an Epstein scandal. We see an MIT and Harvard. They receive money from someone that literally exploited kids in a sex ring. And Harvard took like seven to nine million anonymously from MIT and said, we didn't say anything. MIT, Dean resigned as a result. People are complicit in these things, folks. And the people in the Ivy Tower and the people that look like they're good people, Deep down inside, when you reduce them, they have skeletons everywhere. And so do we. They can be like, oh, that Epstein. Right? Every single president we had had abuses involved. Maybe skipping Obama and George Bush, maybe. OK, let me not go in there. But, but you know what I mean. So. What are the vices in your life? What is the maladaptive behaviors that's hurting you, that's stealing from you? I'm not saying stop it because innately it's bad or it's shameful. I'm saying, is it destroying who you're supposed to be? Look what it's stealing from you. And I pray the Spirit of God would show you what it's taking from you, what it's stealing from you. Okay, so let's move on. So that's the first thing. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Everybody say it with me. Love. love. Right? Love. How many people like love? John Lennon, all you need is love. Smart man. All you need is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <clears throat> and read this last phrase. Against such things, there's what? There's no law. <clears throat> Debauchery, fits of rage, anger, 
<clears throat> what do you try to do? Limit it. There's laws. The reasons for natural laws in a democracy is to protect your negative rights, right? Your right to live, the right to pursue happiness, the right to have your own land. Laws to protect your natural given rights to live your life the way you want to live it, right? You have to limit those things. Here, Paul says the other argument is there is no such law to joy, love, gentleness. You, know, you can do it over and over again, and it just perpetuates more value. It brings more pleasure. There's no law to how much money you can give. Bill Gates has given billions of dollars. There's no law in the government that says you can't give everything you own and everything you have. You can. Because it's good. And what I see for a lot of people, both believers in society, is that most of the times all our lives are defined by is limits. I'm going to drink less. I'm going to do this less. All these vices less. And your life becomes all about reducing your life to something that's controllable. That's tragic, isn't it? To be defined by a life where maladaptive behaviors basically define you. I don't see this side. I don't see abundance of love, joy, peace, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. And that's sad because our time is numbered, we said in the very beginning. Some people are taken by cancer. Some people are taken by gun violence too quickly. So what is our life going to be defined by? That's the question the kingdom of God presents. That's, that's the argument Paul is making in this passage. What do you want your life to really be about? Not what you're pretending to be about. What do you really want your life to be about? So, my son, I have two sons, for those of you who are new. They're very good-looking kids, so they tell me every day. They get that from their mother, vanity. <laughs> Not me. I'm the humble one in the family. And, um, yeah, so. Um, but, you know, raising two boys, one 12 now, one 7, um, the 12-year-old is a rapper, upcoming rapper. He actually, his, his career is actually serious now. Right? He got 22,000 plays like in four months in SoundCloud, so that's pretty good. I said, I think I finally love you. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, sarcasm is my love language. So don't be offended by me. If we have a conversation, I'm sarcastic. <laughs> means I love you. No, but so, um, so my son, um, he's, he's trying to be, in, well, he might correct me and say, well, Dad, don't labor me with names and say, you know, I want to be a rapper. The real definition is artist. Don't pigeonhole me to just one genre. That's what he would say. So, but, but in the very beginning, you know, like when he was 9 and 10, he started listening to, like, my music, you know, from the hood, you know, that I lived in three blocks away. And, uh, you know, and he started listening to Biggie and Tupac, you know. And so he started developing this ideology about 
you know, something about in the suburbs where he lives very, very, in his three-bedroom house, you know, where he, he learned that it's me against the world. And, you know, and, and, and um, you know, he was like, Ted, he goes, I'm gangster, man. I'm gangster, you know. You know, I can make it on my own, you know. See, that's exactly how he sounded. And, um, and so he started developing, a, you know, he started developing a subplot of, you know, I want to be my own man. And so, you know, I don't know, like, by the time he was 10, 11, you know, he started just not wanting to hang out with us. We're so cool. And, you know, you would take him to Outback, his favorite place. is like, I'm not hungry. I got boys out in the park that's willing to die for me, bro. My family don't get me. My family don't get me. They don't know who I am. They don't understand me like that. I'm gangster. You know? <laughs> and, and so he decided to run away. He planned it and decided to run away one day. And I told the story, but, you know, you know, the, you know the thing about it is, you know, like my parents, they, they discipline me. They, my, my first reaction is what the cycle of discipline that your parents pass down to you. You're going to get a hurting real bad. I'm, I wanted to beat the literal crap or the gangster out of my son to save him like my parents saved me. But my son's very different, right? Like our family's bougie now, right? Like not our other, but super, he, that's not going to work. But when, when he came back, home after learning that the world out there in the suburbs is not a very safe place. You know, he went alone in the dark. So he came back with an offering of Chinese food, my favorite, General So, General so Chicken. He came back, knocked on the door, Brother General So Chicken, and said, Dad, this is my offering. Just like the prodigal son, when, when the son came back and said, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I want to be your servant. It was like one of those kind of things, like a gesture. And I told my wife the whole day, he comes back. <laughs> but, you know, I was also soft at certain bursts of time. Do you think he'll come back? There are dangerous people out there in the suburbs. There's animals loose outside. I don't know what's going to happen. He's, my wife's like, relax. Because I was literally freaking out. There are predators out there, right? Should we go look for My wife's like, oh, you think we should go look for No, 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 I would come for No, no, we can't. We've got to be strong. <laughs> but when he came back, everything in me, culminating to the point, what I felt when he returned home was not anger. It was love and joy. And my wife and I both teared a bit. Maybe bursts of sob. I don't remember. I don't like to remember that part. But you know, like, um, and 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 what my son says is that what he expected was wrath. Like, you see, I told you, I was right. You can't make it out on your own. Right? That's what a child doesn't want to hear. When and 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 children. I mean, we we all know this as as kids of our parents. Right? We don't want them to be right. We hate it when they're right. I hate admitting when my dad was right. You're right. Like my dad said, you're never going to understand how much I love you until you have your kids. I'm like, you're yeah, right. And then I had kids. I'm like, damn, he's right. <laughs> right, he's right. But, but when he came, we hugged him and prayed with him. And he cried, and we cried. 
And it was what? It was love, joy, and peace, and gentleness, and self-control. It was faithfulness. It was the fruit of the Spirit. It was the life of God. It's the kingdom. It's the fullness of what? Of the kingdom. You can't have more of that. So sometimes we should just group hug and let the kingdom come. That's what life is about. Life is about that type of patience, that type of forgiveness, that type of love. That's the kingdom. That's what we want our life to be about, to have the patience rather than wrath, to have love, to have forgiveness. And you know what? We're never going to forget that story, and I'm never not going to tell that story, and my son's going to be embarrassed for the rest of his life. I even wrote an article about it, shared to five million people. Oh, well, too late. But, I mean, so that's a picture of the fullness of the kingdom. What does Jesus want for you? What is, what is Christianity all about? You know what Jesus says? This is, this, he doesn't say this is the right way to live. Jesus says in the New Testament, and, and if you're not a Christian, live this way. Don't even say, well, I believe in that. I, don't, I believe all this dogma. No, live the way Jesus says to live, I dare you, in the New Testament, and then empirically test if your life is not better. It's this way the Creator structured the way we're supposed to live. He designed it. And He designed it so that it produces joy and love. Jesus came and said, you're living a way that's inferior to the joy you can maximize in your life. Jesus says, live this way. Love your neighbor. Love God with everything. And see if your life is not better. I dare you to do that. And then tell me, uh, it doesn't work. So, how do you take that time that's sacred? Whatever days you have left today. I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't know what happened 10 years from now. And the traumas all of us been through and the losses we've been through. But I know starting today, I can make my life about what adds value and that takes away. A legacy of love. A legacy of joy. A legacy of peace and faithfulness. Is that what you want your life to be about? Amen? So what's the second thing we learn from this passage? Look at what? How much what? The Spirit actually what? Adds to your life. God wants to add to your life. Tell someone next to you, addition. Simple addition. One plus one is two. God does not want to take away from your life. He wants to add to your life. That's what Paul means by the fullness of the kingdom. That's what he, he means by the kingdom of God. Against these things, there's no, no such thing. There is no law. So today, I want to invite you to experiment about kingdom living. As Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here. Surrender and partner with the Spirit of God to produce love, joy, peace patience. Let the Spirit of God come and lead your life and see for yourself, the Bible says. Taste the Lord for He is good. Will you stand with me and pray? Will you lift your hands to the Lord today with me?
and receive. In our community, we promise to never shit on you. We promise. We'll never tell you you should do anything. Because shooting doesn't work. It just makes you do the other thing. We promise to, like Jesus, invite you into the story that he's writing for your life. We promise to invite you to the party he's throwing, to the fullness he's offering. It is up to you to tap in, to enter. We'll ask you the questions. Don't you want that in your life? The fullness of the kingdom of God. It's not a place. It's right now. And tomorrow. And for eternity. Why not? This is what I like to say this year. Why not get the party started? Life is too short not to party. I made a deal with God this year because of me wasting all my time on being worried and venting and thinking about negative things and fixing problems. The only alcohol I will drink this year is champagne. And every time I drink it, I say, God, I want a life that's memorable in the kingdom. I want the fullness of what it means to be in the party of God. Maybe you want to take that pledge. Don't drink too much. Drink responsibly. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, co-founder of 180 Church, wife to Dr. Sammy, and pastor of Transformation at 180. How are you doing today, Pastor Lydia? Hi, Joe. Hello. Um, and today we're here to talk about sacred time, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I took some time to think about this sermon and this series, really, because I think uh, this new series that we're on, Calling Unpacked, has been challenging me to, you know, really be reflective about how I live my life, you know? And I think mm-hmm. we're spending a lot of time talking about how we can be sacred people in the previous sermons. And this recent one about sacred time is really about how we can best utilize our time so that we can live real and full lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I just wanted to, you know, like really dive in and talk about uh, what that looks like on like a macro level and uh, also, I guess, on our own, you know, perspectives on what it means to spend our times with the fullness of the kingdom in mind. When we're really like talking about, you know, this passage and really re- t- thinking about what it means to optimize and maximize our time, you know, I know a lot of people, especially in the city, they're, you know, sensitive about time because we know that it's one of the commodities that is unrenewable you know at the end of the day once we spend our time doing something you can't really get it back Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of us have our own ideas of what it means to um use our time to to the best that we can Mm -hmm. um but the bible says something very specific about time i think and i kind of wanted to ask you about that because um there's such a contrast between 
Galatian, in the passage Galatians 5:17, there's such a contrast between what it means to live a life that you know is accompanied by sin as opposed to one that is bearing the fruits of the spirit and it's essentially showing us a picture of how we can best live our lives right and um i guess i want to start by asking you like you know we in our community always say that we don't really impose shoulds on Mm -hmm. people like there's no like one right way or there's no there's no should to the way you should operate in your life but Mm -hmm. you know what about the fruits of the spirit seems such a good way to spend your time Mm. so i actually did not know that sam was speaking on the subject Mm. and on the morning of um on sunday i was just you know doing some dishes before i left for church and i heard the lord say my say to my heart i want my people to know i want people to know beyond just what's innately bad Mm, yeah and when I heard Sam speaking, he spoke from the angle of why not so much this is bad, this is good, mm, yeah. but I mean, the point was, right, the first point was sin robs and steals from us. Mm-hmm. He's preached it from the point of view of not just this is bad, this is good, because everyone knows, like, yeah, that stuff, yeah, it's bad, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do it anyway, I don't know how to get over it, like all that stuff, but why it's bad for us Mm. right that was really the angle of the message why it's bad for us well because it steals from us um but the life of the spirit is life producing and it's the kingdom of god Mm. here not yet the future the all of it the fullness of life Mm. and I thought it was so, um, the perspective is really what we need, I think, because I think a lot of times we go through life kind of just like understanding things on a surface level. Mm. And, you know, even like you, you were talking about how, you know, especially in New York City or like people are always trying to maximize time because we understand that time is a commodity yeah and we should not like waste time yeah like yeah yeah, so you're always trying to optimize and Mm. get more things done Mm. but the bible's angle is not to get more done but is to be led by the spirit Mm. and to live a life that is full so it makes you wonder okay that life that's full Mm. that's full of peace love joy patience kindness all these things Okay, so what does that really look like? What did the mm. creator have in mind? And it brought that question mm. of asking that angle like, okay, these things are not just innately bad. It's just bad for us. So what does that really look like? Right. You know? Yeah. And so it draws a curiosity, but also a hunger towards something that seems more possible. Because I think a lot of people can't get past the, I don't know if I can really get over these yeah. things. I'm not sure if I don't want to not do them. But mm. if you are telling me it robs from me, not just, not, um, I don't know, not, it, it, if it's not adding to my life, mm-hmm. that's a very different perspective, I think, yeah, right? right? Then it's bad for you, so don't do it. No, well, you told me it's bad for me, so I'm going to do it. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people operate in that place. Like, I was told that it was bad, but I always wanted to try it, so I'm going to go for Mm. it. 
because you told me not to, well, I'm going to do it even more. Right. So it's always in that maladaptive, but also in a very immature state. Yeah, for sure. There's like so much to unpack from that. Mm -hmm. And I think like one of the things that you touched on is that Dr. Sammy paints this in such a way where there's like not really a behavioral modification that he's calling for people, but it's really like uh, introspective look at why these things are bad, right? As opposed to, you know, these are bad, you should not do them. Because, you know, if you've, like like I have, if you've grown up in the church, you know, a lot of it is kind of simplified into these are bad things you should stay away from and these are the good things mm -hmm. you should do. And, you know, it does often feel like a life of restriction. And I think with any growing Christian or disciple, there comes a point where you start to begin to ask why. Like, why am I not doing these bad things? Even though it seems like it offers so much fun or like so much, you know, quote unquote life in the moment, you know. And it, it, I think you bring up a really great point in that it's, 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 you know, really pushing us to look deeper at what sin really does to us mm -hmm. as opposed to like how it's like thinking that it serves us in some way that is beneficial. Because, you know, ultimately Paul posits that there are greater things in life that we have access to you know if we choose to see that they add value to us or like if mm -hmm. we choose to see that they do add value to they're us they're better investments exactly yeah mm -hmm. yeah um i i think that the it also tells us what ma what these things what sin really is mm, yeah that it's maladaptive behavior right. or maladaptive things mm. right and so from that angle, I think it's, there's so many, it's not just a spiritual approach, but it's, there's a holistic approach of like mental health, mm. um, spiritual approach. It's all very, um, knitted together. Yeah. And I think the application can be that practical for people to actually live a spirit-led life it's mm -hmm. not like you go out and you're just lifting your hands and asking the holy spirit to lead you and where should i go that yeah. it's not doesn't look like that right you know mm -hmm. these are practical steps and ways to live a life that's mm -hmm. led by the spirit that right. produce produces these things that mm -hmm. are you know given to us by the spirit mm -hmm. right yeah um and so just kind of on the topic of sin and time you know i think like, I, just to be as frank as possible, you know, when I was younger or, you know, even to this, even at this age, you know, sin just seems so appealing. It seems like such a good way to spend your time because it seems like there's like a rush, there's um, excitement involved and such like that. Um, whether, you know, I'm, I'm not like, you know, not any one particular sin, but, you know, just in general, you have... There's a lure to it. Yeah, there's like uh -huh. these temptations to these sins for like a particular reason. They're like mm -hmm. very strong mm -hmm. um, and they seem to offer so much promise. But, you know, like I guess one of the things that are challenging for that was challenging for me when I was, you know, mm -hmm. working through what like sin in my life is and like how to choose godliness and holiness mm -hmm. in my life is that like it seems like we don't have control sometimes. You know, like it just seems like the sin it feels like yeah it feels like mm -hmm. the sin is like you know like we can't resist the temptation or we just want to even though we know mm -hmm. that it's bad even though you know like quote unquote we know it's bad so we shouldn't do it mm -hmm. um do, do you like do you have any insights or any takes on like um why that 
like i guess just kind of like the nature of sin really is my question like what like what is it about sin that grips us so much even though we know it's not mm -hmm. the best way to use our time you know i think c.s lewis drew a really good picture of that in chronicles of narnia mm. with edmund um in the movie right. and in the book right but in if you look at edmund he c.s lewis draws a picture where he's kind of like hungry for power Mm -hmm. Because in his like sibling dynamic, he feels like he's not heard. No one really mm. sees him. So you could see that there's like a hunger to be noticed. So when he goes into Narnia, um, he's literally in, uh, preyed on by the witch mm, yeah. through Turkish delights. The candy? Yeah. Oh. Like, you know, those like it looks like mochi, but it's like jelly. It's just Turkish delights. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. And she she's like, oh, Edmund. And she gives it to him. And then he feels like he's understood. He feels like he's accepted. Mm. He feels like he's seen. And she promises him that if you bring your siblings, basically, if he if he commits betrayal and mutiny against his own family and the yeah. tribe, like I will make you. A leader in my kingdom mm. she promises that right but i think a lot of times temptation looks that way but if you also read on she dumps him once her mission is accomplished once oh. the family does come over like she she dumps him and i think sam mentioned that as well in the message that it's like the enemy has a way of um yes we're tempted by our own own sinfulness mm -hmm. but the enemy tempts us right so when we're tempted it almost seems like you're being invited into something so exclusive and something so specific and personal and special to you mm. because you're only t you're tempted by certain things for a certain reason right yeah. i think that's what we have to remember like people are tempted not to everything but there are certain things where people are drawn to yeah. and there's a reason for that and that's what temptation is. There's a draw, right? So when um, he talks about how like enemies like, oh, you need this. You want this. Mm -hmm. Like he put it in a really good way. And then once you commit it or once you take it or, you know, Turkish delight, such a right. great way. It's like, it's just candy. I mean, like, come on. And mm -hmm. you're just rooting for him to not do it. Right. But he over the powder around his mouth uh -huh. and like over that, he kind of just loses his himself mm. and he commits it or whatever the case is right yeah and then the enemy turns around and says ha 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 how dare you like what's wrong with you right and so the accusation and the condemnation comes and that's always the cycle mm. you know and if you could kind of look at it as like it's like a primitive and a primitive cycle mm. of humanity i think right so it's I think God's not just like encouraging us, but I think he's educating us like, hey, you need to kind of understand what this is mm. so that the battle can be won. Right. You know, because it's made to be won. Like Jesus said that it was finished. Like this is an overcome battle mm. that he's rooting on uh, all of us to overcome. So. Yeah, I feel like there's a layer of education to mm. break through the ignorance of what this all of it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like <clears throat> when we do commit sins or like when we're, you know, tempted to sin and such like that, it seems so harmless, like you mentioned, you know, mm. but. Uh, that's, but is it? Yeah, I guess not. You know, mm -hmm. like, w like in just like as a personal perspective, it's like whenever 
I was doing something I knew I shouldn't have or mm-hmm. like that I was sinning and stuff like that. Um, it just seems like, you know, there's there's this like feeling that, oh, I'm like this now, but, you know, I'll take care of it later or something like that. Or like mm-hmm. this is like something I know I have a problem with, but, you know, it's like it's like OK for now. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're really just putting a Band-Aid over like a, something that's really plaguing us, mm. you know, aren't we? Because like it it becomes a habit i think at the end of the day right like i think some of those behaviors that we conduct or um those uh you know that mindset or that heart that like oh you know i'm like this now and you know i do feel the guilt and the condemnation and that's like what's going to motivate me to want to change eventually but you know this feels you know good or like i like Mm -hmm. this right now and Mm -hmm. so i i guess there's like a dynamic of that of that cycle like you know we we say we're going to change, but we don't change. And then we mm-hmm. find ourselves doing the same things over and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from what it sounds like you're saying is that it's like, that's what God came to save us from that, to break that cycle and show us that, you know, we can't commit our own change really in, in that fashion. Like we need to be shown or we need to be saved mm-hmm. in order to see that there is mm-hmm more life and i think god offers us the grace to see ourselves in the mirror and have the hope to change right mm, yeah and not just live in the drowning right. waters of condemnation yeah yeah because like even in sam's story he said that even at that young age mm. he looked in the mirror and said had a, a personal talk self-talk right. right is this really worth it mm-hmm. and i think as much as so that's the thing i think like you know, it's not just lifting our hands and just asking for God to save because yeah. he has already done the work. But I think it's also so the story of Edmund is really powerful because mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene where he fights um, the enemy. He fights, you know, mm-hmm. and um, his siblings are like, should we help him? Aslan, go help him. Aslan, the lion, go help him. And then um, Aslan actually says this is his fight. So, and you see him in other chapters, like other books, like he's a different guy. And he's like, when he sees others kind of falling in that trap, he's like, don't go there. Don't even consider it. Don't go there. He's become an enlightener. Like he's become an encourager, but also like someone who exhorts people out and, you know, encourages them out of things Mm -hmm. because he's experienced the darkness. But I think it's not there's God's part, but also within God's part and his grace yeah. is our part For to sure. look in the mirror and say and to fight that fight mm-hmm. and say, OK, we need to do something about this. Mm. You know, um, in Galatians five, it talks about how um, those who believe in Christ, those, those who follow Christ, we have crucified, you know, mm. our old self, our sinful nature. Yeah. And so. I think the, sh- the C.S. Lewis paints it really well, but you see him kill that thing. Like, yeah. I don't think so. Right. And I think um, that point is really important for all of us to come mm. to yeah. that we do have power over sin. Right. Right. Yeah. That is, I think in, in my sort of journey and my experience, I guess like having, I guess a little bit of, you know, that stuff under my belt like Mm -hmm. it did seem like 
a lot of it did come down to personal choice. Like I, mm-hmm. I choose that I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to behave in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say that a large part of it was knowing that there was, you know, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, like it in a general scope, but also in a very personal fashion. You know, mm-hmm. I think um, just to switch gears and, you know, talk about the fruits of the spirit, because I think a lot of the times these words can seem like very fluffy and mm-hmm. like, you know, what, like love. Yeah, that's that's a really good thing. And so mm-hmm. is joy and peace. But as much as we know these things in like a general sense, we I, I think like for me, it took a long time for me to understand it as an application for my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, you know, not to say that everybody uh, is in that place and maybe they do understand what peace, love, joy, patience, you know, forbearance and all those mm-hmm. things are. But it was when I came to understand joy for me or peace for me and love for me through, you know, Christ or through scripture or through the gospel. Mm-hmm. It was when, you know, sin became contestable. As in like, I was able to adopt a perspective where I, I don't need sin or I don't want to have sin, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, contrast is the mother of clarity. Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. So from what I've been told and from what I see, like it, it seems to be true. It's like, I think, you know, Christ came to offer these fruits so mm-hmm. that we can really see like what, what is good and what, mm-hmm. what we want in our lives. And um, I guess I, you know, I know what that looks like for me and I don't know mm-hmm. how much of my experience will speak to people but I was I wanted to ask you like um what what are these fruits like in your life and you know um well I guess we could start with that like what are what are these like what do you think about these fruits like of the spirit mm. it brings life for sure like for example um like forbearance or forgiveness mm. right um we live in a world where things are kind of chaotic. Mm -hmm. We are not in control of our external environment many times. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be road rage. It could be like, we live in New York city. It's pretty apparent. Like you don't know what you're going to encounter sometimes. Mm -hmm. And people are having bad days left and right. You know, it's so polarized and there's so much going on. Mm -hmm. So like a really light example and, would be like if someone were to say something to me Mm. and i did not expect that like let's say it's something very offensive i could all day kind of put my head down and feel defeated and feel really angry and come home and vent in every way possible Mm. or i can choose to forgive right Mm. there and when you forgive it's a spiritual thing. It's a mental thing. It's everything. It's like a whole being thing. Yeah. It has a way of just, you're just dropping the baggage before you bring it to a sacred place. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Sacred place as in, you know, going about your the rest of your day. Yeah. That is meaningful. Right. So when encountered by something uncontrollable, I let's say someone offended me. Yeah. I do get angry, you know? Yeah. I, and, um, and I'm like, why would that happen? Mm. Yeah, so I'll do that for a little bit. But I'll say, you know what? God, I forgive him. Mm. And I will actually say it out loud. Oh, yeah. Because it's powerful too. Like when you say, I forgive that person, mm. you don't have to understand why they did it. And I'll just like wrap it up like like a dumpling. Like literally wrap <laughs> everything in it, like in a blanket. I'll yeah. be like, God, I don't know what it is, but whatever reason and whatever this is, mm. I forgive that person yeah. in Jesus' name. And literally, I leave that um, package mm. or baggage 
exactly where it happens and I'll move on. Right. And I'll have, I'll have peace. Yeah. I'll have, you know. Wow. So it's really an active thing. Yeah. It seems like, like, it really seems kind of like combative because it seems yeah. like you don't even give those thoughts the opportunity yeah. to rob you of yes. your day or yes. your experience. Because, you know, kindness does not mean, you know what, I will be kind. I will not let that bother me. I am going to mm. be okay. I'm going to go to yoga and, you know, yoga is a great sport and practice, whatever, mm. physically, mindfully, but... It's not like that. It's yeah. actually more like this because I know I was texting you and actually I was texting um, the other Joe. Uh -huh. But um, because I started muscle training, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was in a lot of pain the next day. Right. But this uh, one of the coaches, she was like, you know what? You should do this every single day. And then I was like, is she trying to make money? But it doesn't make sense that I would do it every day. Yeah. And so I was consulting you guys, right? Mm. And then um, I think... I was talking to Joe Han, I think, at one point, I, and then I said, I forget. What, he said something like, y you know what? I think you suggested it, so you mm -hmm. guys both suggested, like, maybe you just want to walk it. Yeah. You don't want to um, exercise the same muscles mm, yeah. because, well, because the whole thing about building muscle is yeah, there's a rest period. It's is mostly when, regarding rest. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest is where your muscle is built, right? Mm -hmm. But... For me, I was kind of like in pain yeah. and I was glad that I didn't work out in another class. But this word, um, I think this part Joe, uh, the other Joe had said, you know, walking or going on a treadmill or elliptical, because I kept saying I want to do something mm -hmm. is active rest. Mm, yeah. And you know what? I was like, active rest? That sounds good <laughs> yeah. because I almost felt like I was killing momentum yeah, by not by stopping, doing anything because yeah. mentally. And then I think you said, you know, exercise is a lot, um, not so much about quantity. Yeah. I think you said something about that, but it's about how you go about it right. and all. And, um, but active rest, it's kind of like that. Mm. And so I actually um, went on the treadmill. I took my book, Leighton's book, yeah. Leighton Ford's book, and I walked for 30 minutes. And afterwards, all the pain that I felt lessened by, I think, 70%. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, whoa. Instead of just like doing nothing, mm -hmm. I actually actively rested yeah. and I felt better yeah. and I felt more ready to go to another class. Mm. But I think that's the thing. Spiritual battle is not the way that the world teaches kindness, love, yeah. joy, peace. It is an active decision to live a different way mm. to live a certain way right just like the forgiveness yeah it's an active choice yeah. i'm not choosing to be a pushover i'm choosing to say i have the power to do something about this in the way that i choose mm, yeah that's a great illustration because i think like um there's so much freedom in knowing that you have the choice yes. to you know, overcome certain things that you might be reactive towards. And so, mm -hmm. cause like, um, I mean, obviously like working out is a big part of me and Joe's life, but uh, the other Joe, not me. Uh, mm -hmm. but you know, it's you, I completely understand what you're saying where it seems <laughs> like the best way to utilize your time is uh -huh. to keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing when it comes to workouts or just like anything when, you know, technically the most optimal or maxim maximum, like maximal time, for your, you know your workout regimen or just like your endeavors is to like even you know objectively is to take a rest you know like mm -hmm. it's like 
reported in almost every study that you know rest is a fundamental part of you know progress Mm -hmm. but for me i have this weird plaguing thing (laughs) in my head that tells me even though i know that Uh i need to keep working out Mm. it it almost feels like that's like the picture of sin for me it's like i don't have control even Mm. though like i know that i i shouldn't work out even Mm -hmm. and like i beat myself up Mm -hmm. the other day working out and stuff like that i should take a rest like I still must go, you know, I mm-hmm. still must do. And it it almost seems like there's no control over my life because I can't, I can't rest or I can't feel like I can rest. And mm-hmm. that can't is very different from having that active role of choosing. Like I choose mm-hmm. to rest, mm-hmm. you know, I choose to, you know, um, commit myself to, you know, taking a break or, mm-hmm. you know, you have that sense of, you know, control about your actions, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the thing though, like, um, you paint your workout and you not being able to control you're using that as an analogy for how you feel about sin sometimes right um or how one might feel about sin but i think that's the thing there are things that drive us sometimes it's not even for what we do Mm, yeah so i think the message it makes us reflect on not just all these explicit sins Mm. but even things like selfish ambition like Mm. or internal things that we struggle with right like what are you striving for are you actually doing this because it's for your health Mm. is it for your mental health is it for your well-being or is it really to live a full life or is there something going on that's Mm. maladaptive beneath it all right so it invites us into that as well for sure yeah yeah because yeah because it seems like it almost seems like these two different mediums like sin and fruit they're suggesting that they offer the same thing right like um you know like when it comes to like how you want to live your life they they both essentially say this is the best way to do it or like this is how you know i I think or we as in like a Mm -hmm. personification Mm -hmm. think you should live your life Mm -hmm. um and it almost seems like it seems like both are telling us the same promise yeah the same promise Mm -hmm. yeah like there's a certain goal in mind except you know clearly sin is maladaptive Mm -hmm. right it's it's like oh i want if the goal is i want to live a full life you know sin is like this is how you live a full life you know we can like you know, get sloppy drunk and, Mm -hmm. like, have a lot of fun, do a ton of drugs and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like, party all night and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that that seems like a full life when really it's not the Mm -hmm. full life that is promised, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think, is it it safe to say that it's sort of like a trap? Like, we get stuck in thinking that, you know, this is helping me achieve the goal, quote-unquote, of living a full life. Yeah, I think it is a trap. I think it's a trap of not, I don't want to say not um, being educated, but Mm. it kind of is. Yeah. Because, you know, back then it's like it was enough to be told, not that it stopped the actual action, Mm. but it was enough to be told that it's bad for you. Yeah. Okay. Like it was very simple back Mm. then. It Mm. was like, you know, when I was growing up, for example, like drugs, right? Or things like that it would be like a frying pan with sizzling oil this is your brain <laughs> and then it would crack an egg and it'd be like this is your brain on drugs and it was enough to tell kids like 
oh shoot like that's bad yeah i don't want that it some listened some didn't yeah but now we're at a place where it's a lot more complex than that i think mm. you know and i guess the point i'm trying to get is now there's studies about yeah. these maladaptive behaviors mm. Now, psychology and research is catching up. Well, if you actually live this way, yeah. this is kind of where your brain could end up. Yeah. Th if you live this way, this is actually where your mental health could al also end up. Yeah. There's studies like about these kind of maladaptive behaviors. Mm, yeah. You know, it's the, it kind of backs up scripture why yeah. it's bad for us. Right. There's studies on if you have multiple partner, sexual partners, mm. what that does to someone's uh, mental health yeah. um, compared to someone with less. Like yeah. there's there are these different variable yeah. research, mm. you know, research is done to even educate because the mental health state of the United States, you know, mm. is at a really, really all-time high right yeah, like it's pretty precarious right now. yes it's so i think that's why i say it's like a trap of not being educated yeah. so the scripture is educating us right mm. but also there are these backup studies mm. that actually educates us to take us from a primitive level mm. to help us mature and grow in knowledge yeah why it's bad right so i'm um, going back to the point like there's a holistic approach in christ yeah it's not just praying and hoping that you know god reaches out and helps mm. you out in a miracle but actually there are resources yeah there's research there are people community there's so many things to help us live a life led mm. by the spirit yeah it's a very practical you know yeah it's definitely thing. very true because i remember dr sam brought up you know a couple studies where like you know, you find that venting is, like, you mm -hmm. know, harmful for mental health. You find mm -hmm. that, you know, like, drunkenness. I mean, like, I mean, that was pretty, that's been mm -hmm. evident for yeah, like, lots of years. There's yeah. no one that does that, does not regret yeah. their actions for sure. With drunkenness. Yeah. So it seems like God has the best intention for us to begin with. Like, it seems like these fruits were offered to us from the very beginning. And through uh, the life led, led by Christ to show us that, you know, there is so much more to life to live for than this. And I, I think I certainly have experienced that myself. You know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's, there was a point in time where in my life where even though I knew um, who God was and even in my doubts, you know, I mm -hmm. decided to choose a life of sin because it seemed like I knew what I was doing. I was, in, I was like the master of my own happiness or like mm -hmm. master of my own destiny. Um, and every endeavor i ever set myself on just ended up in disaster like nothing mm -hmm. fruitful mm -hmm. came out of anything that i i set myself up up towards and it was un only until um i dared to try to be like jesus or like mm -hmm. said you know jesus i'll give this a shot because nothing good is coming out of mm -hmm. what i'm doing mm -hmm. was when you know my life r radically shifted you know I'm, I'm not saying like things are like the best in terms mm -hmm. of you know my like situation yeah changed. but yeah the direction of my life definitely mm -hmm. changed the course of my life like who i am mm -hmm. um like the value i want to add um mm -hmm. the value that i think i'm adding and uh the person i want to be and you know the the values i want to share with others is just so different mm -hmm. um and you know i think it it just goes to show like what it looks like when we give god 
that chance to dare and try to see that he has the best in mind for us the, the real full life you know mm, yeah it really does mm. i mean that's just those are just my thoughts because i think like what really struck me with this message is like how 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 much of how much importance it is for us to really observe how we're living our life you know mm-hmm. um and i encourage this for like a lot of my friends and such like that but if we don't really examine why we do what we do or you know why we are drawn to certain things or you know what's ailing us in these ways it's like it's really hard for us to see that there is hope or that there is love peace and joy just like right around the corner if we decide to really ask what that's all about mm-hmm. you know and it's such a beautiful thing when someone becomes acquainted with who jesus is and the life that jesus has to offer them and the way that you can live your life so that you can exhibit that same love that christ shared with us with other people because it really does change people's lives you know yeah and to that there's no law yeah that yeah and i think that's a great point you know like there's so many laws to prohibit us from doing you know dumb things Mm -hmm. or things that might be harmful for people but there is no limit for these fruits yeah and you'll see it as you become a parent Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll see it as you become a husband mm-hmm. you know you'll see it in in different arenas of life yeah it is an ongoing process of learning how can i be led by the spirit in these different stages of life yeah in these different roles that you'll take right um but you know i think that that's why you know i'm i bring up mental illness illness and mental health a lot because I think the whole even healing process when adapting those the fruit of the spirit as opposed to maladaptive behaviors mm-hmm. it's really a process of being healed from those things. Yeah. So there's a wholeness and a fullness. Like fullness is such a great word for the kingdom of God because there's a fullness that will be experienced in life mm-hmm. that I think just living in the primitive level of just going about just whatever one feels like doing versus really choosing to live life a certain way Mm. um, makes a huge difference Mm. in the quality of life, quality of relationships, quality of everything that we do. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I can definitely see that because, you know, I I'm amazed and perplexed by you know the person I am today mm-hmm. just cuz like it came from one choice and I think that one choice you know it does lead to a series of other choices but it, it like you begin to see how when you align yourself to these fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. exactly what you said like the quality of your life and the quality of your personhood and um, who you become is just there's just such a drastic difference in um, mm. what what you ultimately produce. I think, and I think like when fruit is good, you know, it, you know that it could be shared with people, and you know that's ultimately what it's about. I think like the fact that the gospel is supposed to be shared with people is such an important thing because there's so much to offer you know like when dr sammy says it's pregnant it's like it's really full like very very full (laughs) of opportunities Uh and like a way of life that can really you know just change everything just alter Mm -hmm. um 
everything you imagined or could have possibly thought of your life like there's mm -hmm. real hope like there's real you know joy like things to celebrate and things to uh certainly look forward to and you know lo like laughter to share with people and all these things that i think we can miss out on because mm -hmm. we like these whatever sin whatever it is that sin promises us just seems so like gratifying like mm -hmm. at that moment um but you know the challenge for us is to really you know dare to live like christ did and really exhibit these fruits so that other people can you know like mm -hmm. share on that fruit with you and also know and taste that right yeah it's really a difference i think of surviving mm. or even barely surviving really like barely surviving yeah. to thriving mm -hmm. in life because you know like if you study like you know people that are addicts you know like it's really sad right mm -hmm. there's secrecy there's isolation um it's like it's such an empty life and mm -hmm. empty cycle of you know um instant gratification and then there's a cycle of going back and regretting like it's a cycle of grief right yeah. but if when you look at someone who in all of that chooses to live a life of freedom mm. there's accountability you know there is a community mm. there's love there is uh, forgiveness mm. or even someone who has been wronged by, you know, so many things in life. Um, even their, the, the, not their composure, but their countenance, yeah. you can see the weight of all of that, you know? Mm. Um, but someone who chooses in spite of all the things that have happened to them, mm you know, traumatic or not, someone who's living a life of forgiveness, there's healing there. Yeah. So the fruit is so different. You mm. know, love, joy, peace, all these things actually um, explain the fruit of healing yeah. versus bitterness and, you know, anger and Envy. jealousy. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, or even jealousy versus a grateful heart. Mm grateful heart is joyful is able to love yeah instead of compare and feeling insecure and you know so these are actually choices it's not like oh well i'm not like that mm. you know so and i think there's a um, wide spectrum of people right we're complex but we're simple enough that i think there's different like types like some people are broken by sin so like sin actually makes them scared in a way, it's like, I don't like how that felt. Mm. And it's simple. You know, like, I don't like that. And it yeah. motivates them to not live that way. Yeah. Versus some people, it's like, you know what? I want to see how far I can go. <laughs> and yeah. it's like a self-sabotaging way of living. Yeah. Which, when we talk about it, it's very mal... It's a maladaptive mal behavior. Yeah. When in the moment, it could seem like, wow, that person is really wild. That yeah. person's really fun. Wow, yeah. that person's like a go-getter. Yeah. I wish I could be brave. Yeah. It could seem like that. But if you really take a step back, it's... Uh, self-destructive yeah, yeah actually like, like really self-destructive yeah <laughs> where will you be in the morning and we're not yeah. just talking about you know drinkings yeah. you know or drugs or sex yeah. that's not what we're talking about right. like 
the fruit is very obvious. Yeah. You know? So. Right. So it doesn't matter where you or, you know, the person may be in the mm. spectrum of all of that. You have a, every single person has a choice. Mm. Yeah. You know? True. So. I think realizing that, I think that's why I like the message because the message basically lets us know, well, you kind of know this, but let me explicitly tell you mm. it's robbing you of the life you can have. Yeah. S- makes you think about it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, And then even Dr. Sammy towards, you know, towards the latter half was explaining like, this is an invitation. It's a choice at the end of the day. It's not like, you know, again, like I, like we want a community and a culture that doesn't impose like how you should live your life. But if you choose that, you know, Jesus is the way in the life and that this is the way you want to live. Like you have this option, like you have this way to live your life that um, offers all the, all the fullness that you were looking for. And, you know, I think knowing that is a great way to, understand where you are in life and like if you are struggling with sin or if you're um in the middle of like a battle with sin or if you've like you know or like lost your way with it it's it's knowing that you have that choice is very powerful like you said i think it's like Mm -hmm. the real determining factor that like hey jesus always asks if you would choose him Mm -hmm. each and every day and and knowing that you can Mm -hmm. and knowing that you have not lost the power of your choice is you know i think can really make the difference in Mm -hmm. somebody's life yeah that it is actually something we can choose Mm -hmm. into not being forced to Mm -hmm. i think that's so big because a lot of people grew up with like authoritative yeah you know and being told how to live it's like when you're told even something good you're like no right yeah you know i think it's maybe the teen in us or the teen that's growing up like there is that no but if we really step back um galatians 5 begins with it is for freedom that christ has set us free yeah to no longer be yoked by slavery Mm. so he is talking about freedom well you have this freedom Mm. but live this way led by the spirit by freedom Mm. which is actually the complete opposite of this they're actually at war with each other yeah yeah you know and so i think you know i think this is an important practice too though like really stepping back and realizing that no one's really making you do anything oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know because i think we often fall into that like why am i doing this you know well and then there's the pity and the you know all this battle that happens like yeah well i think as people that are as human beings we can step back as believers like no one told me to do that actually i choose mm-hmm. to and so even changing the motivation i'm not doing this because someone told me to i'm actually doing this because i choose to yeah it's very powerful yeah oh this is what i was gonna say so i live by like a lot of acronyms right and of oh, life like, yeah yeah i was like huh? <laughs> oh i know i know this i was actually trying to remember this mm. i wanted to share it with um on the podcast um but i live by the acronyms of life mm. right because i i like kind of like you know it's kind of like my mission statement in the way that i can remember mm. living in fullness every day mm. is one which is the invitation to live in fullness in the kingdom of God here and now, here but not yet now, mm, yeah. by living by the Spirit. And also living in freedom 
every day mm. because no one made me do anything. Right. I choose by the freedom given to me. I'm set free by Christ yeah. from sin and death, all these things, right? And then the third one, and I'm just giving all of them because I think maybe it'll help someone to kind of hold on to one yeah. because people are kind of motivated differently. Yeah. Um, the third one is living intentionally for eternity. So it's not just for, you know, you know, your health and mine, yeah. but it is for a greater cause. Yeah. There is an eternal factor. So living intentionally for eternity. Mm. For me, they are great reminders that I live this life. Yeah. I choose and make the choices that I make and I choose to live led by the spirit. Yeah. To the world, it could seem like what you're led so what, you don't have control, you don't have say? Mm. Well, no, actually, it's my choice because I kind of have come to know the one who has created me. Yeah. I, have, I have come to understand yeah. my limitation and my sinfulness. Yeah. And Christ has taken care of that. Yeah. And so there's an understanding of that, right? A yeah. revelation of that. So those are the things that I live by. Mm. Those are really great. <laughs> yeah. Those are... Uh, I think really great in like illustrations and invitations for like a full life, you know, and it's funny, like life everlasting. It's like, I think that last one really, mm -hmm. really struck a chord because, mm -hmm. you know, because time feels so limited and time, it always seems like we're grasping for like uh, now that I'm in school, it never feels like I have enough time, you know, and I think this mm. message was timely uh it was timely and timely that, yeah and uh that's very punny yeah it's very uh -huh. punny um <laughs> it's it was just like yeah i really felt that you know i'm not making the most of my time my time is not efficient and it seems like we don't have enough but you know these fruits and the life that christ is offering and inviting us to is a path to a life everlasting isn't it mm-hmm yeah and it's very counter it's very countercultural yeah because what how the spirit leads us is very different from the way that the world expects us to live mm. but it is very life-giving yeah it really is true amen um and i know that for us you know we don't again we don't say anybody should live their lives a certain way or like you should do this or you shouldn't do that but you know I, kn I know that we and you know christ is inviting everybody and anybody that's listening to this to um really choose and see or like you know see what these fruits have to offer you you know and i, I guess my question is you know even though we don't tell people what they should do is there anything they can do to um, you know, really explore what life or what life with Christ has to offer. Yeah. I mean, like you saw how I was trying to offer Josh a fruit <laughs> versus like he wanted a snack. And yeah. I think, you know, he wanted all sorts of other stuff, mm. but then I gave him a fruit. Yeah. Like, I think that's the invitation. And then he had it. And then he was like, okay, you know what? I want lot of fruit i'm just gonna take a lot of oranges yeah, and go very happy with that choice yeah because once he tasted it it was good yeah. and i think that's the invitation of the gospel like taste mm. that the lord is good mm. 
He is not frowning upon us. He is inviting. Like, taste that the Lord is good. Mm. And I um, I loved also that Sam made that invitation to seekers and to agnostics. Mm. Like, live the way Jesus lived and see if it's not fulfilling. Yeah. Versus all these other things that have been mentioned, right. you know. That is the opposite of those things. Mm. So taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, that's really why we're hooked, right? Yeah. No one enticed us or manipulated us mm. or pulled our arm to do and to follow Christ. Yeah. We tasted that the Lord is good. Right. And here we are. It's pretty good. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And he is alive, right? Yeah. He's a leading, like he's alive. He's alive spirit person leading us hmm. and you know i think as much as people say i want to be self-sufficient and all sorts of things i think everyone comes to a point where you know you know you realize like i'm limited and i need help yeah and i think christ saves us from all of that you know he meets us hmm. in that place where we are not enough right. and we need a savior. Yeah. So he is good. Amen. And lastly, I guess I would just say to practice a life of the spirit. Um, you know, as you're reflecting on these things that you're trying to um, choose out of and choose into the things of the spirit mm. to be led by the spirit, I would say um, do it. You know, you Yes, there's a part you have to look in the mirror and decide for yourself. Yeah. But we are not meant to walk it out on our own. Mm. So as you realize your needs, my needs, I think we have to surround ourselves around people of the same values yeah. so that we can be encouraged, strengthened, and reminded when we forget. Right. So, And that's really the reason why we do community, yeah. why we have small group. Um, because even as a Christian, it is not enough that to be led by the spirit means to be led by all the things that God offers us. Mm -hmm. And he has given us the body of Christ, which is made up of people yeah. to be surrounded by, to be encouraged by. So we need a community. And so that's the other practical way, Yeah, you know, and I would also say to even um, you might you have a community, but there are these other needs that need to be met as you're realizing maladaptive behaviors or as even, you know, as maladaptive behaviors are coming up in the message, as you're looking at previous messages, mm -hmm. not too far ago, right? About schemas, um, getting help from a counselor is yeah. so recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many people in our community that have been healed and are finding healing and, perspective and strengthening through counseling mm -hmm. so i just want to break all stigma again because i feel like it's never enough to yeah. just say it once yeah, yeah. or twice but like every time to break the stigma about getting help mm, yeah and sure. utilize the resources yeah you know so yes get as much as help as you need right and examine your life in all of these things as well, am I venting? Am I living? You know, because sometimes I think we could 
And this is the flip side, right? We could have all the help, mm-hmm. but we have to come back to the mirror yeah. of what, like, our choice to not live by these apps. You know, ultimately, you could get all the help you want, mm-hmm. but you are you still have to um, remember the choice that you make. Yeah. You know, like, venting is such a... Um, like it's an example that we use, but it's so common, right? Right. And we know that the the fruit of venting actually is just grief. Right. Yeah. It just repeats a cycle over and over. So after all of that, um, really updating and aligning to the choice that we have made mm-hmm. and the life that we are living, yeah. I think that's important too. Right. So there's a flip side of back and forth. It's not like, oh, it's all guaranteed because I'm surrounded by all these great things. But ultimately, it comes down to the choice. Mm. Like, the choice we're making. Am I venting? Like, I had a bad day. How did I spend my day? Mm. Did I spend my day in just, like, instant gratification of all sorts of things that bring me back to this cycle? It's a very practical question. Did I vent throughout the whole day? And did I feel like that added to my day or did that, you know, these are very explicit questions or did that, did I waste yeah. a lot of my energy? Right. But I think we're at a time in history and, you know, in, in where we live, where we have to ask these obvious questions, mm. sometimes on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. You know, I agree. Yeah. Because there's so much that's happening. Like people are not just burning out but depressed and so like there's so much sadness Mm. that's being cycled you know it we can break that cycle it's true yeah in christ with one another by choice that's why freedom is so important yeah for sure yeah it's definitely like an active interplay between that self-reflection and introspection and um applying what you know your community or the bible or your resources or your counselor tells you it's like we can't expect for the work to be done for us but we have we have these resources and all these things so that it can inform the choice we ultimately make for how to live a full life yeah and i guess a simple example of that is you know for years Mm -hmm. i had a gym membership for years yeah and i would call it charity because (sighs) literally it would go out of my, you know, yeah. account and it would pay them and right. it would sustain their gym, maintain it. But yeah. it was not sustaining and maintaining me yeah. the way that I wanted. Right? Right, right. It was only when I actually showed up, you know, research, got help, made the choice and made the choice yeah. to work out mm. that I started seeing the fruit. Yeah. So, yeah. Ha- being surrounded by great things, which I think many of us are. Yeah. And being invited to great things is just the first step. Mm. I think we have to make the choice. Yeah. And that action will bear fruit. Mm. Amen. So true. So it's no longer charity now. No it's longer charity, gym. yeah. I actually recognized the receptionist, which I realized. Ah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I've been coming here often because I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> first few times, I'm like, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, yeah. Mm. You know. And it's like that. In the beginning, it's a little bit awkward. Definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. But just like you start recognizing and there's a familiarity of, you know, of the things that are beautiful and good. Sometimes we're foreign to it. So we're like, I don't know if that's for me. But 
I don't know. Now、mm. it's become a sacred place for me, and I think in the same way, sacred time, sacred friends, sacred places, sacred friends. You know, it becomes the very place where we could thrive. Yeah. Or the means、right. for us to thrive. Yeah. So. Let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the movie time came up. So we actually, Sam actually gave the benediction with Maria Munoz, who comes and talks about AMC podcast, and you know,、oh. right? But it lets you know, like commodity we have is time.、Yeah. How are we going to use it? Right. You know, so it's such a great picture because a lot of times when things are nice and you know soft and sweet, and you smooth, kind of yeah, yeah, you forget that this time we're kind of like what what's that term? Take it for granted. Yeah, but like we're、uh, we're still when you need them. You know、uh, that idiom that means um we're on rent, not we're on lended time. Oh um. <laughs> Where、no. uh, <laughs> maybe our、uh, listeners already figured this out. We're on borrowed time. Yeah. yeah, which literally just means, I mean, not literally, because、yeah. idioms actually not literal.、Yeah. I have a weakness with idioms, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm always like trying to figure out. Was that a it. metaphor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just means like it's a commodity.、Yeah. Time is a commodity.、Mm. And I think older I get, that's what I'm realizing. Yeah. Time is, time is money makes sense to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time is money definitely makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a great reminder. So yeah, we don't have ministry time because、mm. actually it was benediction. Yeah. And we parted our ways、right. for fellowship, but it was a great reminder. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in a very comedic way. It is, yeah. This is ir- the irony in that we ran out of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't actually show. I think on the message because they do a great job of editing those things、yeah. out. Because out of context, it could be like, "Oh, what is that?" Yeah. But it was a great reminder for us, and I guess I just wanted to share with the listeners. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. But it's such a prophetic reminder.、Mm. Yeah.、Mm. So. I pray that you would have a great week, a life week, living in fullness every day,、mm. living in freedom every day, and living intentionally for eternity. So God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. <laughs>、hey、everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at five three nine seven prayer and at prayer at one eighty church tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at one eighty brg tumblr com and on Instagram as well at one eighty brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's word and really plugging God's word into our daily lives. 
You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.